How to develop an Olympian's mindset when it comes to selling. Welcome to the Work Before the Work podcast for account executives, SDRs and sales professionals looking to prospect better, sell more and get promoted faster. I'm Paul M. Caffrey, co-author of the Work Before the Work and in each episode we deconstruct the hidden habits elite sales professionals use to outperform the competition. Please share and enjoy. Hello and welcome along to episode five of the Work Before the Work podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode because we do have a very special guest joining us. More about that in a moment. One thing's for sure when it comes to sales and working as an account executive or a professional salesperson, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. And that is just something that we all have to deal with. And the reality is that when things are going really, really well and we feel like they couldn't get any better and we feel like we're on top of our game and we're in the flow state, everything's amazing. We're not actually as good as we think we are. Then conversely, when you know you go through a barren spell, you maybe lose a couple of deals in a row you start looking at the dashboard and that needle just isn't pointing to where you want it to be you can feel a bit anxious you can start to doubt yourself doubt your approach well typically when, when things aren't going well you're not as bad at sales as you think and where we really find ourselves is we're always somewhere in the middle and realizing that is something that it does take time to come along, just take a bit of experience. You have to go through multiple years, multiple sales cycles to, to get there. Um, but that doesn't mean that challenging times won't come along. And, and this brings me on to the podcast today. So we've got the great Johnny Quinn joining us. So this man was an NFL footballer and he had that career taken away from him with injury. And as you can imagine, you know, the fame, the fortune, the security for yourself, your family, everything that comes along with that. And not to mention the years and years and years of training and dedication and work to get to that point of actually catching that football on that field. And then it's gone. Take a bad injury, all of a sudden you're cut and you end up having to have a new career. If you think about that, that is a very low, low. And what Johnny shares with us is, you know, he shares with us that mindset of how he picked himself up from that. And I know there are people who've went through layoffs and there's people who've lost roles and they're maybe in the position of looking at you know, getting back into their next account executive role, maybe feeling a little bit bemused, a little bit you know frustrated with the whole situation. Um, and what he, what he was able to do was he moved on to become a US Olympian. So he got the opportunity to do bobsled. So he was in the Sochi Olympics in 2014. And what we, what we hear about there is how you can feel like one door is closed and that is it. Things are done, but then other doors do open. So you might work in a certain company or in a certain industry, and that might be all that you see, all that you think what exists, but a lot more exists than just that. And sometimes this, this is something you know, we need to have something taken away from us to find out that actually there's a whole other world out there. So what, I, what, this, what this podcast is pretty interesting is it gives you that mindset and it kind of gives you, the, you know, a way to look at that and how to take that on. Um, because there's going to be ups and downs. And the other thing which really shines true today is if I think of, you know, an American footballer or if I think of a, an Olympian or whatever it is, you know, someone playing sport in the Premier League, you nearly are, imagine a superhuman athlete. And 
in some cases, you know, that is right. There are some people who are genetically gifted and, and, and are exceptional. And then, but the reality is it's normally not that. Normally what it comes down to is, you know, we've got the people who are able to do the boring work, but they're able to do it consistently and do it consistently better, longer, do more of it than anyone else. And that is something which, which Johnny shares because he's been in locker rooms and been on teams with some of the best athletes on the planet. And he shares the one big takeaway is these people are able to do the simple things consistently. And that consistency is what brings them a tremendous amount of success. And in sales, you know, it is, there are some similarities. You know, we do come across some people and we just feel like they've got the gift of the gab. You know, they were born to sell. And you know, in some cases, some people are, but a lot of people, a lot of successful salespeople actually need to work on their skills, need to develop their skills. They need to be prepared for each of their meetings. They need to do their follow-up and they are consistent and they are disciplined in doing that. And that makes a big, big difference over a longer time horizon. So this is a really fun episode. Uh, it was great to catch up with Johnny. I hadn't seen him. I think the last time we met up was maybe six, seven months ago. So it was great to catch up virtually and I hope you really enjoy the episode because there's a lot in there to help you get the right mindset, especially coming into this time of the year. I'll speak to you on the show. As I mentioned, I am thrilled and delighted to be joined by Johnny Quinn. Johnny, how are you? Paul, I'm well. It's so good to see you virtually this time. Oh yeah, I, that was a lot of fun. It was. It was. I'm so glad our paths crossed and we've stayed in touch since. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess for, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, um, there was an international sales conference in Lithuania earlier in the year. Uh, and Johnny was the, the lead keynote there. Uh, and I was speaking earlier in the day. So I got the pleasure of not only meeting this man, seeing this man speak, but also having dinner with this man too. And that is why I'm even more excited than normal to have uh, Johnny on so you can find out a bit more about him and what he's all about. So the first question, and I guess you, you probably get a lot of these questions all the time, um, but how does the world of NFL, being an Olympian, lead you into business or into the marketplace? How does that happen? Yeah, Paul, there's so much low-hanging fruit, and I would just say symmetry with sports and business, right? I mean, just think about the makeup of a team. Again, sport and business doesn't matter. On a team, you have people that have different backgrounds, different belief systems, different personalities, and we all have to come together for one common goal, whether it's winning, a, you know, a, going after a gold medal or going after a revenue goal or a profit goal, whatever it may be. So it, it, it was almost kind of like a no brainer when I, when it was time to retire from sport, stepping into the business uh, world, into the marketplace. And so for me, it was identifying some areas that I had passion for. Because when you grow up and play sports, you've got passion for that sport. And so I wanted to make sure, Paul, that I brought the same passion in the marketplace, which has led me kind of down this path of entrepreneurship, where I own an, uh, a property and casualty business. I'm, I'm on the road quite a bit speaking, which is, you know, as you alluded to our listeners, how you and I, you know, cross paths. And so um, just launched an app. So it, it's... Um, it's finding these things in the marketplace that I'm passionate about. And so it what it did, Paul, is it made the jump super easy or 
you, you could say uh, short. It, it was a short learning curve because I was able to bring that same passion from sport into the marketplace. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. And like I've seen, I, I'm friends with some athletes as well who've, who've also done that. Maybe not to the same height or the same uh, way that you have. But uh, nonetheless, that work ethic is quite interesting. And if we think about a lot of people, and myself included, um, maybe come up through the more traditional paths, you know, so we've you know, cut our teeth at our, our younger ages and work, maybe, you know, doing prospecting, making a lot of cold calls and having to hit big numbers. And, and it does take great, it does take perseverance. And there are times when you kind of wonder, Am I going to be successful? Is this even worth it? Why Why did I do this? Why did I not do something else? But I think it'd be super interesting would be to kind of see, well, you know, what are the parallels when it comes to, um, let's say, you know, sport, be it either either bobsledding or, or the football from a, you know, what was that grind like on a day-to-day basis? Like, was it just fun? We all imagine it's 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 great. It's, it's just, yeah. I'm guessing it's a lot of hard work though. A lot of hard work, right? Just like in business, and, and you you alluded to the point of picking that, especially if you're in your sales role, Paul, right? Picking that phone up, making the prospecting calls, you know, ha- hammering, understanding the basics of sales 101, of of increasing your pipeline, you know, going after your target audience, and that can be challenging. Same in sport. Look, the reward of playing on game day or scoring a touchdown or you know being in the Olympic games um, is amazing. I mean, Paul, I I spent. When I look back on my Olympic run, mm, probably three minutes and a little bit over three minutes of ice time in the Olympic Games. It took four years of work for three minutes of ice time. And so if if, if we put that on a paper, Paul, it's kind of like, well, wait a second. Are we sure that the, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? Is it Was it worth it? And the answer is yes. Let me share a, a short story for you, Paul. This this blew my mind when I got to the NFL, and and I don't know where I got this, but and I in sport and business, same thing, right? As you continue to advance in your career, I get to the NFL. I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I'm these are the best of the best. Uh, everybody is compensated very well in the National Football League. Yeah. So I just thought when I got to the NFL that, I don't know, maybe I'd learn some trick plays, right? Maybe there would be some secret NFL playbook that I don't know about just yet. And so I'm watching this guy, Paul, on the books for $6 million. He's going to make $6 million this year. That's what his contract is. He's the starter. And so I'm watching him. I want you know, I want to watch his practice effort. I want to watch, you know, how he handles himself off the field. So I'm just watching this guy. And Paul, this this blew my mind because here's this guy on the books for $6 million, and he is running a three-step slant over and over and over. Let me tell you why this is such a big deal. Paul, a three-step slant is a route that is taught and learned in junior high school football. A middle schooler is taught this route. This is This is basic football 101 and here's a guy on the books paul for six million wow running this route over and over and over and so here's the epiphany and here's almost it was almost kind of like a breath of fresh air when i realized this is that the best of the best no matter how good you get in your career or how 
highly compensated you are. What I've noticed is that these ultra performers, Paul, they master the fundamentals. They don't outgrow the basics. And so let's take this from a sales role. They pick up the phone, Paul. They continue to call. Even though they are the number one producer, they were compensated. And so that was that was mind-blowing for me. When I, when I started to realize is that you have to continue to remain almost like a student of the game. Sport or business, it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm I'm there with you. And as I've always looked to study elite performance, particularly in the sphere of business, and I, I remember back in my days in Salesforce, as a while ago now, seeing one of the top, again, one of the top producers. And I'm like, this guy, he's closed million dollar deals. Everybody knows, likes him. If he's on a deal, there's a little bit of confidence. There's a little bit of reassurance among the leadership team. Everyone is a bit more relaxed. And I remember speaking to him before, you know, this was closing. Pretty significant deal. I mean, by his standards, maybe not the biggest, but it was important to the overall org's number for the end of quarter. And his solution engineer, who was the person doing the demo, was driven demented. It's like, he keeps on making me do dry runs. I know what I'm doing. He knows what he's saying. We have the yeah. business. We keep on doing. And I'm like, he, he didn't need to. Right. But you realize that in deals, it's like there are little critical moments that happen in a presentation. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, you haven't put that work in. You can maybe use a football analogy. It could be a fumble when... Sure. Keep your eye off the ball. And that is something which stuck with me again. Top top guy, top performer. Yes. Doing dry runs and preparing for something that arguably he could do without that. However, yeah. makes it less likely that something goes against him. So I think that is, you know, a fundamental which starting out, I naively thought, well, you get to a certain level and I don't need right. to call anymore. Or you don't need to cold call. Right. You've got so many years into your career, and it's a little bit different, right? No doubt. We spoke no doubt. In, uh, in Lithuania that uh, we both cold call. Yeah, so, yeah, we do. Here, here's the thing about cold calling. There, there's, there's two kinds of people when it comes to cold calling. People that hate it and people that say they like it, but they're lying. Look, Paul, cold calling is tough. It doesn't matter how good you get. It, it, it is tough. And, and and you're right. I've got. I'm looking at a little sign right now as I look past my camera. I've got a a sign that I stare at when I'm cold calling, and it says "Have a bias towards action." You know what that does for me, Paul? It's a reminder that the answer is already no. It's no, unless I reach out, because there could be a possibility for that. Yes, right. Another thing I'll say is no means next. I'm going to move on to the next one. But if I don't call. If I don't find out, if I don't, you know, provide a solution, then I, I, I already know the answer is no. So it, it, it is, you know, maybe it's a, it, it's a way of formatting a mindset. Maybe it's a way of uh, a level of encouragement. And, and that, that could be it. But you, you are spot on. Um, I don't, we don't outgrow cold calling. Now, are there some drip campaigns we can do? Are there some sales strategies we can add as we continue to uh, to hone our craft in? 
Are, are there uh, other avenues that we can pursue? For sure. But Paul, we, we um, especially when things are slow, we don't give that up. Yeah. And I, I think just that alone is worth everybody hearing because yeah. people would assume that, oh, Johnny Quinn, no way, not a chance. Uh, so I guess when people do, you know, get a phone call, they're like, oh, this is cool. A bit different. Right. Look, you got you to lean into that. But um, when we look at um, the moments, like a lot of people are going through this, like, you know, some real talk like, in sales. It's tough at the moment. Tech industry sure. particularly, there's been a lot of layoffs. Business yeah. is a lot lower. AI is coming in. It's, it's disrupting things, right? It's making right. it really noisy. And again, yeah. experience for buyers, but for salespeople, you know, for us, it's also, also tough. And you went through some tough, challenging, disappointing times. Um, you know, what advice or, or what tips would you have for people who are, you know, maybe at that low at the moment, if they've been laid off or if things aren't going well, or if they can see the writings on the wall and, and things aren't working out and they're kind of unsure what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's such a tough time when you're in that season of life, whether it's a layoff, whether it's, you know, to your point, Paul, you can kind of see some writing on the wall. You know, as you look at the economy, it's just not what it used to be or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, let, let's, let's take a layoff for an example. I, I got cut three times. I got laid off from my job in the NFL three times, and it was horrible. I, I hated it. If I could go back and change it, I would, but I can't. And so here's what I learned, Paul. I learned, and it doesn't get easier every time. That, 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 it, it hurts. It might hurt differently, but it, but it hurts. Is Paul, it, we have to take time to mourn the loss. That is something I did not do well early on in my career. Now, I was in my young 20s at the time. Could have been a maturity thing, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, but when, when, we ha when there is a loss, we have to take time to properly mourn that and there's nothing wrong with that paul right we, we live in this culture of uh you know we, we got to grind 24 7 365 let me just tell you as an athlete if i did that i would be injured paul that, that that's ridiculous now i get it from a marketing standpoint it's how we got to you know position things but when when there is a loss the number one thing i would tell people what we have to do is we've got to mourn it there, there's an appropriate time to mourn as we walk through that phase, now that, that phase can last too long, and we've got to use wisdom there. But once we, once we mourn the loss, Paul, then what we have to do is we've got to identify our ownership in a situation. Let me give you a real-life example. When I got cut from the Green Bay Packers, now I'm going to – they kept a guy who they drafted in the seventh round. I was an undrafted free agent. True story. Paul, I was um, going into the last preseason game. I was on all the special team units. The guy that they drafted in the seventh round was, was, was behind me. True story. Paul, um, the last preseason game, I ended up catching a two-point conversion that would have sent us into overtime. The next day, I got cut. They kept the seventh-round draft pick. Paul, I signed a $3,000 uh, signing bonus, they gave him $57,000 as his signing bonus. Paul, everything that I just shared there was true. Here's the problem. That's not the whole truth. 
The whole truth is, Paul, I had an opportunity and I should have made more plays. Paul, the rest of the truth is we played four preseason games. I should have been more dominant on the field. Now, look, that first, those first four truths I shared, that is accurate. They paid him more money. He was a seventh-round pick. You know, but it wasn't the whole truth. And so when I started to un- understand that, or when I started to own my portion of the pie, whether it's fair or not, that's when things started to change for me. And that's what I would encourage if somebody who might be walking through a loss right now. Could be economy. Could be they shut down the division. It could be nothing that – it could be things that were out of your control. I would just encourage you as we walk through that morning phase, is there anything that you can own? Because when you start to come with that perspective, Paul – that's when you begin to kind of break through barriers. You begin to you begin to unlock new possibilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We'll always look back, and it's 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 one of these things we always get told. Oh, you tried your best. You, you know, you gave your best shot. A lot of the time, we can probably always do a little bit more. And sure. you know, I, I really like that because that's a good way to look back and kind of you know, what can you own? What could you have done better? Sure. Uh, and even a really simple uh, tip, and I'm saying this to a lot of the sales professionals I'm working with at the moment, is start building your network. A lot of people shy away from networking. You know, oh, it's yeah. icky. I don't want to do it. At the end of the day, you know, making that time to have that coffee with that person, to meet that other person, or you see something on LinkedIn that, you know, that would be useful for such and such. Taking that yeah. extra second to send and that's what will maybe open the door to future opportunities. And that's something which whatever happens in your world, you can own that piece. And right. again, is going to give you, you may not get it, something out of it, but you're more likely a chance that you will than you won't. So again, yeah. I like that. Look, that totally resonates. And so when you're going through that, that morning uh, period yeah. and things are a little bit, are, are a little bit tough. Um, I'm guessing you're probably looking at the positives of it. You're probably going, well, this is great. It's a chance to do this, a chance to get better, a chance to try something else. Um, and I guess what my real veiled question is, how are you able to see opportunities that wouldn't naturally present? Because yeah. I would assume that after your football career, after your injuries, I mean, no offense, your your age. Sure. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. Certain yeah. age. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's I'm Olympian. I mean, how, how do right, you, right. <laughs> yeah. part alone is mind boggling. Right. Right. How, how did you, you know, open up to that or even, even consider it? So what, what was interesting is after my third cut, I ended up blowing out my knee. Um, and so you're right at that point, I'm, I'm getting older. I've got three cuts. I got a blown out knee. Paul, the reality is I look like damaged goods on paper, right? No, no, no GM wants to touch me. And that's that's tough, right? Not 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 want, not feeling wanted, or feeling that that you've exhausted all your options. And what do I do next? And so, what was interesting is through those times, those challenging times, and before I became a bobsledder, I became an avid reader, and 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 this. This opened up my eyes to kind of explore unexpected opportunities because here's what I needed to find out, Paul. I needed to know 
are there other men and women out there in the world who you know are further down the road of life than I am at the time? Are are you able to? Are, let, let me put it this way: Were they able to come back after a setback? Right, because at this point, this has been a monumental loss for me. These are these are million dollar NFL contracts. I've been cut blown out knee nobody wants me i I just want to know are there other people in the world who are older than me that 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 i can almost kind of look up to and say hey have have you experienced a loss like it doesn't need to be exactly like mine but something similar and 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 are you able to come back and paul here's what i realized my friend is that this is actually kind of like a prerequisite to success is navigating these failures these challenges, these setbacks, and using them, Paul, to springboard you forward. And so at this point, I I realized, look, the door to the professional football is over. I'm not going to keep banging down that door. I had to come to that reality. But there was something inside me that 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 just kept churning this fire of you know what I, I I feel like I still have something left in the tank from an athletic standpoint. What is out there that I can explore? And so I, I, some things started to fall in place. My mom had a coworker who was a bobsledder. My agent represented a bobsledder back in the day. And so I kind of fit the mold of what they were looking for. But what this, what this did for me, Paul, is it set in motion this journey, right, this new opportunity to become an Olympic bobsledder. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, when I became an Olympian and I got to walk in opening ceremonies and be part of, you know, the world's greatest athletic competition, it, Paul, it was unbelievable. And here's what it etched in me, especially now that I'm in the marketplace as a businessman, is that when I go through setbacks and failures and challenges in business, which happen all the time. I mean, I can't tell you. I've already received three no's this morning, Paul, and they suck. I hate it. But I have to remember, it's almost like I have to kind of speak my resume to myself, that this is part of the process. No means next. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I really, really like the, the no means next piece. And I guess what I'm seeing on, on social quite a lot, and it was a passion project. Remember when we were chatting, you were talking about it as a passion yeah. project, and you've now turned that into a business. I'm obviously talking yeah. about uh, your love for pickleball and pickle your your new app. Tell tell me more. Yeah. yeah so you know we uh, we we chatted about it pretty extensively. I mean pickleball's just taken over at least in in the U.S. It has just gone crazy. And um, what happened was Paul, you know, my wife and I started playing. We liked playing it. We liked playing together. Uh, we found us watching pickleball, um, talking about pickleball. We're like, okay, hold on, is there? Is there a potential business here? And so as an entrepreneur, my mind's thinking, okay, well, how do we, you know, is there a way to generate revenue? What's the way, how do we monetize a hobby? And so with anything in sales, what, and again, we went back to sales 101 training. What is the greatest threat out there or or the problem that we want to solve? And for pickleball, it's been injuries. The greatest threat to pickleball is injuries. And so we wanted to provide a solution. And so you're right, our app right here, picklebetter.com, we are a training app that provides people pickleball warm-ups, pickleball cool-downs, pickleball workouts to help them reduce the risk of injury. And so it's fun. We're able to play together. We're able to you know, build our app together and help people play this wonderful sport of pickleball. Yeah, it's 
And again, it's it's starting to infiltrate Ireland and the UK. And I've Is it? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. And interesting, there's even talk of, uh, in soccer, the FA Premier League, so we what we call football over here, yeah. of the managers having a league. So it's 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 really it's really unusual popping up all over the place. Yeah. But one thing I, I think is is super key, and this is something I, I speak with a lot, is if you're working in sales or whatever you're working at, you should always have a passion project. Yeah. And it can be it can be your profession, it can be something completely different, but yeah. having that thing, uh, and then the more you do, if you're able to turn it into a business or have another revenue stream off the side even better uh, but yeah. passion project because let's face it probably doesn't really matter to you if it's successful or if it's not sure, you're sure. getting to play you're getting to embrace your passion and i'm sure it's it's opening the door to more you know interest and pickle opportunities for one you're exactly sense. right you know paul in my keynote in lithuania people do business with people who they like and who they trust and to your point, when you have a passion project, when I'm out in the community playing pickleball, something that my wife and I love to do, we're, I, I'm not out there really beating the – I'm not out there being salesy. I'm out there – we're playing a game that we love, um, building relationships, and helping people solve a problem. You know, ding, ding, you know, a light bulb should be going off in everybody's brain. Wait a second. Isn't that, as a sales professional, what we should be doing anyway? With whatever product we sell, identify the problem, show them the solution, show them how to relieve the pain or whatever it may be. And through that, when you have something that you're passionate about, it it opens up doors to, you know, for me as a keynote speaker to then step in and be a speaker or to sell insurance through pickle, through a relationship built through my passion project. And so I love that idea, even from just a lead generator. Right, uh, Paul, on, on using yeah. your passion project as a lead generator. Yeah, and like, like interestingly, you know, many years ago, 10 plus years ago, um, I, I used to talk about fantasy football, which was for the English, for the, the football, the soccer side of things. Some different, same, same premise, different place. Podcasts, you know, writing in newspapers, but it was always off to the side. However... Did some of my customers and prospects, were they interested in it? Did we spend a lot of our meetings talking about that? And then a little bit talking about the, well, this is what I'm here for today. Yes. So again, right. you know, look, Johnny is an Olympian. Okay. So you can open different doors, but if you've got a passion project that is interesting, that again can help you stand out because at the end of the day, when you're selling something, when you're actually helping somebody, you know, fulfill a need, you don't have to be the best salesperson in the world you are really probably competing with three or four other sales professionals who are selling different solutions. And it's who connects the value of their solution to your problem. And the outcome looks more likely with that they're going to go with not the best. If it was just give me the best product uh, or the one you know, with the best guarantee of delivering, there's no need for sales professionals. You just look on a piece of paper and decide, well, I'm going to pay this much for that. Sure. There's a gap and you can kind of help us get to that. So, um, I guess moving moving on from that, and again, this is just a little bit behind the curtain, just ask you straight out. You got to go to the White House. You had a certain president call out your name. Yeah. What was what was that experience like? You know, as so, in yeah. itself, like, well, what happens? 
So what's so interesting in the White House, you are allowed to uh, you're allowed to have your phone. Uh, you cannot make any phone calls. You can text, but you can't make a phone call. I don't know. There are rules. So you got to follow them. And what was so interesting is, you know, here we are. The president of the United States, the leader of the free world is addressing, you know, the team USA. And Paul, think about how funny this is. We live in the digital age. Everybody's in the, you know, selfie camera mode. Yeah. The president is addressing Team USA and 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 it was just such a funny thing because now you've got everybody with their back turned to the president because they're trying to get a selfie, right, with the wow. president. So you got two hundred Olympians back towards the president to get a selfie. And I hear the president say Johnny Quinn, and I'm thinking, Paul. Oh my gosh, I am in trouble. Why is the president, you know, saying my name? And turned out, you know, he had a a fun little play on um the broken door that he didn't want me to break any of these antique doors in the White House. And uh so it it was it was quite the experience. Um just to see and also to see the history and tradition. We got to they have this big um uh, uh, room full of of uh, dinner plates in the China that each president gets to choose, and so we got to see China from you know the 1700s, 1800s, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. I mean, it was it was fascinating to just see and be part of the history and tradition in the White House. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, the fun and the excitement, and I guess yeah. the regular security checks to, to get in there. And um, tell me, did you get your selfie? Did you get your picture? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I sure did. We're listening to like a lot of people listen to this. I'll be thinking, that's great, that's amazing, right? Uh, what we like to do is offer tips and advice that people can take on board right now, and actually, it could be something they can use. Um, so, for example, if we're looking to find more customers or prospecting, um, you know, what's one tip you would give people who are, you know, looking, you know, for advice or help with that? Yeah, and this sounds a little counterintuitive, Paul, but I'm going to ask our listeners today, what is something that you can quit today or eliminate off your plate as a sales professional? And and and, and let me expand on this. There, there's a big sports quote that's been floating around culture for a very long time. Came from a very you know famous sports coach uh, in the U.S. is a football guy. His name's Vince Lombardi. And the quote goes something like this, Paul. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure our listeners have seen it. But it goes something like, "Winners never quit." And this quote, Paul, I mean, has just been taken out of context. This, this coach delivered it at halftime in like Super Bowl II. The guys were down. Gives some big long speech. Finishes with, "Winners never quit." And then the team goes out, wins the Super Bowl. And then the people are putting that this quote on bumper stickers, T-shirts. Hashtags, I mean, it's everywhere. Paul, here's the reality. Winners. Winners quit things all the time, Paul. They quit things that don't work. And so I would encourage, if we want to amplify our lead list, if we want to amplify our prospecting aspects, I want our listeners to take a real, hard, deep, look on some processes that you've been doing that just don't work do you have can you quit them can you eliminate something so it frees you up to continue to execute on processes that are actually working that are actually building leads that are actually help you close more deals 
And I and Paul, I couldn't think of a better time with 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 the amount of options and technology and and you know information access to. It's time to give up some things. It's time to quit some things that are dragging you down. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you. And it's again, you don't have to do something just because right. everyone else does, or right. that has been the process from the year dot. Even on you know, B2B outbound sales, that playbook is changing. There's a lot of right. stuff that worked for a long time and built billion dollar companies that maybe won't be there so much. Uh, you know, so totally with you. So there you go. Look at your outreach. What's not working? Stop doing it. Do more of what is, or maybe try something else. But yeah. again, stop wasting your time. Yeah, a lot of the time we're so busy in working in the business, finding those leads that we don't actually step back and see what's working, what isn't. So right. great piece of advice. If we look at it from a sales or from a closing perspective, so somebody, you know, they've got their one or two big deals they're working on if they're in real estate or they're trying to get those, you know, those deals over the line. What what have you what's worked for you when you've had to operate or deliver a result in high stakes situations? Yeah, and in a high stakes situation where where my mind goes immediately is how can I continue to build and add value? Right? It, I know where I'm at in the sales cycle. We're coming down to the to the finish line, so to speak. And if they haven't made a selection yet, I have to understand, you know, is it a is it a selection by committee and we're just um, – the committee truly hasn't been able to evaluate or they have additional questions I can help answer? And so when, when I'm in that that ninth hour, that final hour, um, I'm thinking value, value, value. That's immediately where my brain goes. Is there any additional value that I can help provide to to almost kind of like if you think about a scrum in rugby to kind of push it over you know the finish line or the, the goal line in football? I'm, I'm thinking value. What's the value that I can add? Yeah, and I really like that because we'll focus on the value of our solution and even the ROI. What's the ROI of our solution? And actually, just recently, Gongov came out and realized so they they record thousands, if not tens of thousands, of closing calls that. Deals where people speak about ROI a little bit uh, more than normal towards the end, close less. And a lot of the time that's due to the fact of, oh, we kind of missed the value thing at the start. Now we're just trying to throw it in at the end because sure. it looked nice and everyone's skeptical. Oh, nah, that's, yeah, whatever. You've, you've kind of missed the boat. But if we prove the value of the solution, um, continuing to prove the value and continuing to look for ways to bring value is a really, really great way to think about it. And also, it doesn't stop when the sale stops. It stops when the person actually gets the outcome or value from your service. So speaking right. past the finish line again is something which very easy for us to, to get sucked in and to know we're going to get that deal signed by next week and then we'll be on to the next one or whatever else. And oh, it'll stall because we've missed something. So I really, really like that. Um, one more question for people who are at the looking to advance their career. Maybe they're looking to get promoted. Maybe they're looking to take on a new role. What, what tips are, or what, you know, what's worked for you in the past? Yeah. One of the things that I would encourage our listeners to do is if you're looking for that breakthrough or, or to, to pivot or even to level up your leadership, whatever it may be is, uh, you know, let me kind of ask you a question. That I want you to consider and think about to our listeners. Uh, what are you watching? What are you reading? 
Who are you listening to? In other words, as I study ultra performers, men and women in sport and business, who, you know, we could say that we would look up to and say, wow, they just, they find a way to get it done. They're consistently hitting their targets. They just, they're not perfect, but my goodness, they're consistent. What I realized, uh, Paul, is that they protect the content they consume. They're always running this healthy diagnostic on what I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to. Is it accurate? Is it truthful? And so that's what I would encourage our, our, our listeners to as they're looking to level up and, and whatever aspect that might be is to go and I want you to evaluate what you what type of content you're consuming and ask the question, is it healthy? Is it wise? That's what the best do. Yeah, it's super interesting because I stumbled across this only about six months ago. Now, my logic was a little bit different. I was in the piece of writing. I'm, I'm writing. I'm doing a lot of writing about sales. Uh, so I just wanted to get focused in on, you know, the sales greats who are producing content and then, you know, people off to the side of that. So I cleanse my social media account. So if you go you. by Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, it's really focused on people within my niche and even YouTube, YouTube shorts. And what I was amazed to find out is there's all of these really, really great, you know, sales professionals, sales leaders, entrepreneurs, they're putting loads of content out there. And a lot of it gets tiny amounts of views. It's really valuable. It's really actionable. And most people miss it. And I couldn't believe the amount of content I was missing from people that I thought I was following. Yeah. Getting flooded in all the sports that I'm following, probably too much politics in there, which has totally gone out to the side. So that actually will have a, I wasn't expecting that answer, but I think it'll have a yeah. really, really positive effect for anybody who's brave enough to do it. A lot of people That's right. but you mentioned earlier that books helped yeah. you when you were in um you know transitioning times. What books would you recommend people to check out, or what one book in particular? And look, you can't say push, although it is a very <laughs> so check out Johnny Quinn's book there. Uh, Appreciate that. But what what would you rec what do you think people should should be aware of? Yeah, let me give you two. And and I think these are these are non-negotiables. You've got to read these. And, and when I say read, either read a long form or audible book. I mean, I need you to consume them. Uh, if you haven't read this one yet, this is an international bestseller, but Atomic Habits by James, James Clear. Understanding that the decisions that we make today will set up the opportunities that we have tomorrow. And he talks about just the power of habits, how to break them, how to set them different values. I mean, his content is just spot on. I even follow his weekly newsletter and I don't do a lot of newsletters, but he is one that I just, I am opening up because his stuff is spot on. So Atomic Habits by James Clear. And then let, let me, let, let's kind of, you know, if we're driving a stick shift here, let me, let me uh, slow us down a little bit. There's another book that I just love. Again, I'd say another non-negotiable for our listeners. It's called The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mo Mark Comer. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Listen, the culture that we live in, this hustle, this grind, this hurry, this book is a fantastic antidote and, and super relevant to kind of almost repurposing what actually matters 
And so those two books, Atomic Habits and then The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, hey, you're going to be in, in good shape. You consume those. I, I, well, I'm very excited to consume the second book you mentioned, Atomic Habits. I'm a big fan of that and, and that yeah. first newsletter. So makes me even more excited to check out that other book. Awesome. Um, okay, so you provide a lot of value. You are one of the best speakers I've ever seen. Thank you. So much great content out there. How can people get more access to you, follow you? You know, Where can they find Johnny Quinn? Yeah, all social media handles is at Johnny Quinn USA. And then I make it real easy, my website, johnnyquinnusa.com. And here's the cool thing on my website. Right when you land on the homepage, top menu, you can click on Watch Johnny Speak. And I've got short video clips uh, broken up from in-person and virtual. And then I have some fun videos from the Olympics there. So you can have fun with uh, short video clips on my website, johnnyquinnusa.com. Excellent. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on and really looking forward to the next time we talk and meet. Awesome, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Work Before the Work podcast. For show notes and additional resources, go to paulcaffrey.com forward slash podcast. If you got value from the episode, then take out your phone, give a rating in your podcast app. It's only one click. And if you have 10 seconds to spare, then add the sales tip that resonated most and how you think it will help your sales performance. This really, really helps the show. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode.